Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul On Demand, Season 2, Episode 33 with Dan and Shay. Shay, what's the most dad thing you do where you're like, dang, I am a dad? I mean, I would probably say just like changing diapers. I feel like my dad, I change, I still change Dan's. I do all this. Like my dad growing up, like I don't think my dad ever changed one single diaper. It's definitely a generational thing. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. And it's a cool thing. I feel like there was a, a study done uh, recently that, you know, dads are spending, you know, 50% more time or whatever nowadays, like with their kids, which is really cool. We had a lot to go over here in this Dan and Shay interview. Uh, you know, they almost broke up. They recently revealed that not too long ago. And we got into the woods and talked about really, you know, what happened and why. And this is uh, these guys are just fun to talk to. And they're, they're in a really good place. Thanks for being here. We'll roll through this Dan and Shay interview now. If you can, give us a like and subscribe. It all helps us out here at Taste of Country Nights On Demand. Uh, we think this is your best album to date. Uh, there's like a, a, a looseness to it. It kind of lets people in the songs a bit more than before. It's a, it's more fun. Like, what has changed? Dude, I feel like the biggest change is the rekindling of our relationship. We're closer than we've ever been. Uh, the last 10 years have been crazy. I mean, and that's just what happens. When you're doing, doing this, there's no handbook for it. You go out there and you experience highs and lows and an emotional roller coaster of of the music business and then you throw in a global pandemic and uh and life's just wild and it's just one of those things that if you're not working on a being in a duo is tough i feel like it's the toughest configuration of being an artist in a trio there's a tiebreaker in a group it's chaos and the solo artist makes their own decisions but in a duo historically you see a lot of duos fall apart because if you're not going out of your way to work on it like a marriage it'll fall apart and it's not like anything ever happened between us it was just that we weren't going out of our way to spend time working on our relationship and our friendship and we just came to this moment where we were like, man, we got to figure this out. Like, if we're going to continue to do this or if we're going to call it, like, let's get ourselves back to that place when we, where we were when we first started, that magic. And uh, and we did. We had a big night. We had a big come to Jesus at my house and aired everything out. We said, like, we figured out what we needed to do to take this thing to the next level, to to get back to the fundamentals of, you know, what made Dan and Shea special in the first place. And Man, it changed. That night changed everything. I think that was the most pivotal moment in our career. And we decided to to write songs a couple of days a week, spend more time together, hang out. And I feel like that combined with the fact that we weren't on the road, we didn't have anybody looking over our shoulders saying like, all right, we need a country radio single delivered by tomorrow. It was like we were just on our own time, hanging at my house with an acoustic guitar, just telling stories writing songs like we did when we first moved to this town. We rediscovered the magic of why we fell in love with music, why we picked up from our hometowns and moved here. And I just feel like that is an intangible thing when you listen to this album. Whether you're listening for it or not, I feel like you can hear it in the DNA of these songs. There's a lightness to it. There's an air to it. And you could just tell, I think, when you listen back that we were having fun making this album. Not that we didn't on our previous albums, but this one just felt different. I feel like the, the songwriting was tapped in we made this album cohesively in the studio with the same band for the whole album. It wasn't like a hodgepodge. All right, we'll take these three demos and mash them with this and do this. It was like we made it cohesively. And I'm really proud of this album. I feel like when you listen to it front to back, it's like a snapshot of exactly where we are in our lives right now. And I think we'll always be able to look back on this moment and just be like, man, that was we, we figured it out. What uh, in the video for We Should Get Married, you guys kind of make fun of yourselves as being the band, you know, only known for wedding ballads and whatnot. Was that like a real problem that you guys had to fix to survive? 
No, definitely not. I, I feel like, yeah, that's happened nationally. Yeah, we've been so lucky to have songs like From the Ground Up, uh, Speechless. I mean, a million of our songs, I feel like, have been wedding songs at this point. People have used tequila for their weddings. I'm not sure why, but uh, I feel like that's a bad choice. But it's been amazing to, you know, for someone to pick your song over the millions, billions of songs that exist in the world, uh, to have that as their first dance or a part of their wedding is it's an incredible honor. I mean, there's a lot of songs they could choose. And I love, you know, being known as kind of the wedding guys. I think, you know, a, a part of that was honestly, you know, when Speechless happened, we were going through exactly what we were writing about. A song like Speechless that we wrote about our wives. And I think people were drawn to that. And uh, it just kind of naturally, you know, led itself to a wedding song because it's about love. You know, we write about what we know. And it was amazing. I mean, it, I feel like if our career ended tomorrow, we could always go play at weddings and be just fine. <laughs> and uh, it's a cool <laughs> thing to be part of. And we just thought it was kind of funny, you know, to to kind of poke fun at ourselves in a way. And we wanted to have, the one thing that we were missing was to have kind of a wedding song that was known as a wedding song, but not necessarily for the first dance. And to be able to have, you know, that fun moment where it picks up and people are absolutely raging. Uh, but we have other wedding songs in this album, but we're not going to stop writing wedding songs because, we're both in love with our wives and uh, we can't help but write about it. What'd they think about uh, that song when they first heard it? They loved it. I have a video. The day we recorded that song, uh, I came home and just had my laptop. I was organizing the tracks to start piecing it together. And there's a video. I, it's timestamped because the Christmas tree was up when we recorded it. We recorded it <laughs> earlier in the year. And uh, Abby has the dogs. She has one of them in there dancing. It was just like so fun and so different. She grew up around country music. Her dad's in the country radio hall of fame. Like she loves country music more than anyone. So I feel like she was stoked to hear that, you know, kind of like Grundy County auction, real throwback, uh, up tempo, chicken picking country thing. And, uh, it was just a fun, different side for us. And it was fun for us to write that song and record that song. We'd never done anything like that. We obviously grew up and were influenced by that kind of music. So to have one in our arsenal school, now we just got to figure out how to get our band guys to be able to play it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dan, what's the update on the lawn mowing? Are you still doing it yourself with that crappy mower? Dude, I got a new mower. I'm rocking. I, I, but I, I gotta say, I, I can't put this out there in the, into the universe. I did hire somebody the last few weeks. I, he's only mowed twice. I know I sold out. Fraud, dude. We've been so busy. I'm telling you, it's like the busiest we've ever been. We're releasing an album, trying to piece together a tour, and we're taping a show that tapes out of Los Angeles. The Voice. So. It's chaos. Like wow. I'm home for literally, how much do you think we've been home a week? Maybe like, like 35 minutes. Less than a day <laughs> a week we've been home. And I would come home in the middle of all this and I'd have eight hours off and it would take me six hours to mow the lawn. And I'd be like, man, I kept, I got my mower. It's in the garage, but I hired somebody. It's actually a, a guy who went to school with Ernest. Um, Ernest sent me his number. He's like, yo, my boy will get you taken care of. It's going to be a good deal. He's mowing it. And he's got it looking better than I did. Because he just like, He's got a crew out there. They're weed whacking. They got better tools than me. I'm out there with like the Ryobi little weed whacker, but the battery dies every two seconds. Yeah. yeah. It's a whole thing, dude. I'm too cheap to buy a new one. So as soon as we clear out and have more time again, like hopefully next year I'll be a little more settled and more of a routine. Uh, I'll, I'll get back up on the mower. Don't you worry. I don't know, man. It doesn't sound like it, but I'm I'm praying for you. <laughs> you got me, dude. Um. He's got a passion for mowing. It'll be back. Oh, I can hear it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Shay, I live for it. Shay, what's the most dad thing you do where you're like, dang, I am a dad? 
I mean, I would probably say just like change in diapers. I feel like my dad, <laughs> I change, I still change dance. I do all this. <laughs> my, my dad growing up, like, I don't think my dad ever changed one single diaper. It's definitely a generational thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's a cool thing. I feel like there was a, a study done uh, recently that, you know, dads are spending, you know, 50% so more time or whatever nowadays, like with their kids, which is really cool. Uh, but I feel like with what comes with that is like, the moms are not like, yeah, I'm not changing all these diapers. Yeah, uh, you're expected to pull your weight. Uh, so when I'm home, I mean, I'll be getting up at three in the morning, changing the diaper, feeding the baby, and I love it, man. I feel like it's uh, being able to do that, you know, with your partner. Uh, it really makes it a partnership, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun. I feel like I've learned a lot uh, over the last, you know, seven years of my marriage of you know things that give and take. That's honestly helped us with our band. I feel like we both learned to kind of compromise and we've realized that we really have to communicate with each other just like we do with our wives. And it makes a huge difference, you know, and make sure that you're, you're being a good, uh, a good partner. And I try to do that in my marriage and I try to do that with Dan now that we've, you know, <laughs> reestablished ourselves, uh, as best friends, like making sure you're pulling your weight and being around it, you know, it matters. So I would say to, to answer your question, the most dad thing I do is definitely just change the diapers and being around just being basically a, a climbing, a climbing tree for half of the day. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Heartbreak on the Map. That one feels like a George Strait song, like he would have cut it. Uh, to what degree are y'all like accessing old relationships to write new breakup music? And give me the story of that song. Oh, dude, thank you for the, the King George comparison there. That's the highest compliment. Um, we obviously grew up listening to George Strait. We love, love his music, big time fans. That song came about, you know, obviously... We've been influenced by that style of music, but this go around and we started writing songs on acoustic guitars again, like we did when we moved to town. That stuff pours out of you a little more easily. And then you go into the studio with a band like that here on Music Row and kind of establish the sonics of it. But that song came about, I had this title in my phone called West of Texas. And I was like, just wanted to write a song about just a girl. She's, you know, just living a free spirit, free spirited life. She's might be West of Texas, running from her exes, living wild and reckless, whatever. And we were kicking that around, and then Ernest was in the room on that session, and he starts freestyling his verse. His boss still knows my name by now, like this whole thing. And then he like kept going. I was like, "All right, we got to record this, record this." <laughs> and he's like, "Landed that girl put heartbreak on the map." I was like, "That's the title of the song," and we uh, we kind of reworked the whole thing. And I think that's a really unique title, really way to say something. And um, yeah, man, it's it's fun. Like obviously, we write about stuff that we're in the moment, living right now. But it's also fun to write songs from previous experiences. We think that's the beauty of co-writing. Getting in the room, sharing what everybody's been through, throwing it in the pot, stirring it up, and out comes the song. And the chances are, you know, like Tequila is probably our biggest song to date. And we were happily married when that song came out. But we we channeled it, we wrote it, we sang it from a place that we had been. And chances are there's somebody in that crowd and that audience that night or on the radio listening that's going through that. And that's the power of music, man. Being able to connect with people who are going through different things at different times in their lives. And man, we're, we're excited about these songs and, and how much people have been connected to them so far. Did any, uh, did you guys reach out to any other duos? I know there's not a lot, but uh, when you guys were, you know, almost broke up or whatnot, did you reach out to any duos for advice or did anybody offer any? Yeah. Yeah. I can't say we, we reached out to anybody. I feel like we have such a a great circle of friends and, and people. There was, you know, a lot of different folks on both sides of our, you know, the aisle of uh, friendships and things that, you know, helped us out. And, you know, we were kind of going through all that. But I, I think the biggest help for us, honestly, was just getting together and 
obviously we came to that conclusion on our own that we needed to have this kind of come to Jesus moment. And I think just being open and honest and just kind of laying it out there. And, and we, we both apologize for, you know, things that, that happened, you know, throughout the 10 years and just kind of got on the same page. And that was, just, it was so powerful. I mean, it's like, I mean, no amount of, of therapy and, you know, and talking to someone could help as much as him and I getting on the same page and just laying it all out there. And, uh, it, it was just a really powerful moment. You know, there's, we, we talk about it all the time, how hard it is to be in a duo. You know, there's every other configuration you kind of, in a trio, you've got a tiebreaker and a big band, you know, it's just kind of chaos. <laughs> you got the leader and you got, you know, there's a whole different dynamic, but in a duo, it's, you know, it's 50-50. And if you're not giving 50-50, uh, then you, you know, and sometimes you're not going to be able to give 50-50. Some person, you know, you have to be able to pick up that slack and make sure that, you know, you're bringing exactly what, what you can to the table and making sure that you, you compromise. And it's a, uh, it's a tough configuration, but when done right, I think there's special magic uh, in a duo. And I, you know, we've seen that over the course of history with Paul and Oates and, you know, with, with big and rich and all of these amazing duos in the, in the, in the past, uh, you know, Brooks and Dunn. And I don't know, it's amazing to, to get to watch, you know, and learn from, from history and, and listen to podcasts and things that like, Brooks and Don have done and and talk about obviously Ronnie Don has an unbelievable voice, but what they have together is absolute magic. And it's really cool to be able to watch that and to learn from it and and listen to people who have been through it before you. Uh we didn't necessarily like reach out to them, but I think you can learn a lot by by listening. In the in the heat of uh, you know, whatever y'all were into did y'all ever get into any beef and then have to go up on stage? Like, were y'all ever like, you know, like a, you know, like a married couple back in the day, you see your parents get into a fight and then they go to dinner and like, Hey everybody, how you doing? Did you ever have to do that? Like on stage? No, not really with each other. Honestly, it's just not, not to go too far into this, but I feel like that's a tough part about doing what we do is like, you know, we've tried to change it with our vulnerability, you know, coming into this new era and this new cycle. I feel like if you're going through something or struggling or you're depressed or you're having a hard time or a bad day, you kind of have to get on stage and pretend that everything's okay. Um, you know, you have to go and do every appearance and it's got to be like, ah, oh, life's amazing. Even though it's raining outside, you're like, it's perfectly sunny. Um, but I, I feel like that's just part of the job. You know, it is what it is. But I feel like us being vulnerable and sharing what we're going through with our fans opens that door, open, lets them take a look into our lives, you know, and not everything is perfect always. You got to do what you got to do. Uh, but I feel like that makes it more okay for them to be open about their mental health and what they may be struggling with, you know, because from the outside for the past 10 years, we've kept it pretty squeaky clean. But I think this era has opened us up to a place where we could be more uh, vulnerable and share our emotions a little bit more. What are you guys going to do being a duo on The Voice? Who's going to be when you guys disagree because you share one chair or whatnot how's that gonna work and are you guys gonna be like hardcore judges like you know back in the day simon or are you gonna be like real cool i gonna have to watch to find out that's, that's fair, fair. God, I'm Dang. i feel like we're gonna be able to you know really help you know a lot of these contestants you know be able to you know further their career and their artistry and we've learned a lot of lessons over the last 10 years and i think we have a lot to bring to the table to help these people maybe not make the same mistakes that we did uh, or, you know, to avoid them, but also be able to adapt and, and, you know, be able to share some, some wisdom with them. And we're excited, man. We're going to be, we're not going to be angry judges. We're going to be, we're going to be Simon Cowell white, but we are going to be honest and we're going to be fair.
That's fair. Um, Shay, I, I lost a bunch of weight as well, and I used to be able to do a Biggie voice, like Big Papa, but I, I couldn't after I lost a bunch of weight. Did you notice that your vocals changed any when you lost weight? Not as far as like the tone. My voice is so much stronger now. I feel like in the studio and just out on the road even. I mean, we haven't toured a lot, but I can just tell. I mean, it. you know, having a living a healthy lifestyle has completely changed. I, I think my voice is stronger. It has honestly a, a, a better tone, which is kind of wild. I, thankfully, I, if I would have, I, I might've had to put back on the weight if it changed my voice. To be <laughs> like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to get that 60 pounds back. We'll see. But no, thankfully uh, it's just, it's been stronger and it, it's uh it's very exciting. I'd imagine you guys are going to announce a tour. Uh, okay. Uh, fair. That's fair. I got like one left. I got one left. I imagine you guys will uh, announce a tour uh, at some point. Who all in music, not just country, is sort of changing the game when it comes to performing live? Oh, man, performing live. Obviously, country. Country's having such a huge moment right now. We've been out. We've seen Luke Combs in the stadium, good buddy of ours. We went to Morgan's show when we were out there taping The Voice. We went to see him at SoFi, him and Hardy and Erd and Bailey are just smashing it out there on the road, man. But Got to give props to Taylor Swift. I mean, I feel like her show is the most incredible, like entertaining spectacle that's ever been done in the live space. She's just, she's a star. She, you know, just when you think Taylor Swift can't get any bigger or have any more impact, it's like she goes and just continues to change the game. And she deserves that, man. She's so talented. She's been, you know, been in, in with her fans since day one and they've had her back. Um, it's tough. You know, we were just talking about that. When you get to that level, where you're playing stadiums, the only place to go is down. There ain't anything bigger than stadiums. And she's found a way year after year to keep blowing it up bigger, doing more nights in the stadiums, re-releasing albums, doing different versions of her albums, and just killing it. So I feel like that's the one, you know, we look to her for inspiration. We see those videos online of what she's doing on her stage, and it's like, man, if we could put on one one-hundredth of the show she's doing, we're going to be all right. Sweet, man. Well, dude, I appreciate it. Good album. Nice work. Thank you, brother. It's good to see you. Hey, by the way, you look amazing, dude. Thank, thank you, man. You, man. I, 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 thank you. You too, man. We'll both take our shirts off next time. Let's go, baby. All right, we'll bring in Billy Dukes from behind the scenes to take a look under the hood of this interview here with Dan and Shay. Is the big story out of this that Dan and Shay has hired out his lawn services to Ernest's friend? It was. It was to me. It was at least. Yeah. Um, and you know, Shay was kind of ribbing him about it, you know. And but Dan didn't lie about it, you know. But it was one of those things. That I feel like if I didn't ask Dan, he wouldn't have come up and said it. So. I think he was hiding it, the, the fact that he was paying somebody to do his yard work. What do you think that guy made? Like, like think, like, Dan, he's probably got a pretty big house, maybe an he, acre, two acres. Like, how much is he paying a lawn guy? I mean, per thing, I would say, like, a couple hundred bucks. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, a couple hundred. Yeah. Because you yeah. know, I mean, whatever. To, I mean... I mean, look, he, he had all the equipment, uh, Dan did, and he was doing it himself, you know, uh, but he said it took him six hours, you know. And Once we were going to be out of town, my family and, and I tried to get the neighborhood kid to cut my lawn. He's like, yeah, I'll do it for 40 Wow. Like, the I only have a small little. Yeah. Like, that's the neighborhood kid rate for cutting lawns, it 40 now? 10 when I was, I was part yes. of the lawn mowing guys. Give us a call, we'll mow it all. And it was ten bucks a yard. We would edge it and everything, and now it's forty. Yeah, but to be, I would I would think that Ernest is Ernest and Dan and Shay's long guy. I would think is is probably 
in the game now to where he right. can get all the lawns of country right. stars. He's mowing all the stars. He's just dripping with bling. Yeah. <laughs> if I was that guy, I would I would pursue that like the country lawnmower of the stars, you know, and start to get plugged in. Like, you know, Dan's got buddies, you know, mm-hmm. why not start mowing little big town yards, you oh, know? No, 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 no doubt about it. Yeah. You guys coming to town, they need a mow? That might well, be my move. There. Like when I when it's when time to turn this gig away a little bit, I think that once they start coming in, I can be like, "Hey, I'm starting a new lawn mowing business. I'd love to mow because I'm right. already in you with them, and, and they're here, you know. So that uh, might not be a bad idea. Oh, get yourself a little truck, a trailer, a skag. Yeah, zip it around. I, yeah, wow. I would get it all if I could start mowing the big dogs' lawns. I should have known better than just lead with a lawn question with you. I was, yeah, <laughs> I no, thought, I'm into it, man. I thought we'd bounce off that pretty quickly. But no, 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 no. Uh, way, way, way to get them talking about sort of their, their strife together. I mean, I've, they've kind of brought of that a lot of that news themselves with the different videos and stuff. But it sounds like their brand of fighting was more passive, where they just kind of disagreed but never said anything about it. Yeah, and, you know, just, I mean, as a morning show, a former morning show guy that's had to work with partners and stuff, it it gets like that, you know? You just don't want to say anything, and then it just, because you're only, you know, and then it just builds up and builds up, and that sounds like what they, and I I bet they had, like, um, they say it's not a knockdown drag out, but there had to be one, the come to Jesus couldn't have been like, hey, Daniel, hello, Shay. Right. Let's have some cheese and talk about light. You know, I feel like. Something had to happen, you know, that caused them to have that talk. Do you think that, I mean, Shay's weight loss kind of coincides with that timeline? Yeah. Do you think maybe that was, I don't want to say the cause, but maybe a byproduct. Like maybe Shay, as part of him, him stepping up, realized he needed to get into better shape himself and maybe work a little bit harder in that sort of way. Quit that's drinking. possible. Uh, that's possible. Yeah, I mean... I know, like when you're overweight, you you're pissed, but you don't know it. Like, like gotcha. I, I could say that, and I've known other people that lost weight. You go back and look at pictures of or, or whatever, and people are like, "Why? How come you didn't smile as much?" And my only answer is, "I don't know. I guess I was pissed." So maybe that was, you know, and and the drinking and stuff, and you know. But they did mention something about you know, like having to pull your own weight fifty fifty. That I didn't want to ask, but I, who wasn't pulling their weight? You know, like which one wasn't? You know? Yeah. Well, and the, you would have asked, but they would have coach talked all around. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. They would have been like, you know, well, hey, we say this about Dan and Shay, but they give good answers. They do. They're yeah. very media savvy and well spoken, but sometimes they coach. Sometimes they coach speak. Yeah, yeah. Quarterback answer. Quarterback answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, but I, I would love to know, like. um if they have come to that revelation themselves and spoke about it, like, was that part of the come to Jesus? Was it like, look, you know, Dan, you're only putting in 47%. Look, Shay, you're not doing, you're drinking and you're not. So I wonder, I wonder which one, or if they both were like, I, their answer would be, we both weren't putting in our 100%, right. which equals that, we, you know. Talk to like the drummer or the guitarist. Though. Right, right, you know, right. You'll get the real truth on who was, uh, who yeah. was, who was slacking <laughs> yeah. it in that person. The sound people, yeah. The album is, is, is really good. It's a, a different kind of Dan and Shay. You still kind of get those great, sweet vocals. I think old older Dan and Shay music was produced pretty heavily, like pretty tightly bound. Okay. This you can kind of like. There's a lot more air, and I don't know a better way to describe it than that, where it just sounds like maybe more of what you would get from like a live experience. 
Got with it. With them. Okay. Um, it's more fun. And that has always been the big thing about Dan and Shay with me. Like, their live show is this thing that is awesome and amazing and super high energy. And they do these great covers and people. And then you get the albums that are just like these tightly bound songs, which are good songs, but it's just, it's, that didn't totally match. They seem to, I think, have figured out how to do that. That that's a good point. Yeah, because their shows are are very high energy. I I also thought that, you know, how are they ever going to be able to not be boxed in, you know, as the wedding singers per se? But it sounds like they don't feel like they are, uh, and that's not an issue. So maybe, but but then are they? Does this album differentiate? Is there less of that? If they release the right songs at singles, it will. Okay. His answer to that surprised me a little bit because it, yeah. it was a hard no. That's not an issue. Yeah. And But they made that video where they kind of joked about it being an issue. So I kind of expected him to say, yeah, it's a little bit. We're kind of trying to turn the corner and get a, in some sort of way. Yeah. Putting a nice smile on that kind of answer. But he didn't. He's like, no, 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 no. We're good with that. We'll always do that. Yeah, and I've asked them before, like, you know, do you think your wives will ever get tired of you singing love song? And they were like, no. You know, they gave me that same. So. I think they're sticking to their guns with that, you know, that they're just going to keep making that music. You know, the question I had, I had for him after, I think, Joe Jonas and his wife have just broken up their filing. Dan and Shay sang at their wedding. Oh, yeah. So I wonder if they're, like, keeping a scoreboard about how the weddings that they've sang for. I mean, oh. Justin Bieber, I think they sang at Justin Yeah, they Bieber's sang wedding. at Bieber, uh, and they're still together. And they're still, you see, yeah, but yeah. you never know those high pop marriages. It feels like. Do you think you can book book Dan and Shay to come to your wedding? You got the money. I think you can book anybody. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Those wedding gigs are expensive. Like people used to ask when I was in radio, like how much would it cost to book Dan- Rascal Flats? Right. Like, like prob- start with a million. Probably. <laughs> I don't think that's wrong because it's such they don't want to do a lot of them. You yeah. Know? They made it cheap. They'd have to, then they'd be a lame wedding band. But so. well, but I wonder how many Dan and Shay weddings private that we don't know about did. Got divorced. Oh, I think things like that happen from time to time. Sometimes they leak. Like you might see, like I remember Tim McGraw like showed up at a wedding, but you know that came about through like a friend of a friend knew him and they paid a lot of money for like Tim McGraw. I uh, gotcha. I would think, but I think probably because they there's always sometimes these private events that are sort of referred to and you never really know what those are. But I think weddings could be one of those examples. See, I don't know if I was Dan or Shay, like I think it would be funny to just show up at a wedding venue on a Saturday morning, you know, not knowing who's there and just saying, <laughs> I don't know. I think that would be cool. That'd be neat. Now that's kind of a, a different kind of deal. <laughs> I share this story all the time, but like I was at Darius Rucker's uh, management officers, publicity office once. And I noticed that there was like um, a box of like letters or stuff for Darius. I'm like, Oh, people are handwriting Darius Rucker. Wow. And the woman behind the desk is like, oh, yeah, he gets a ton of letters. He'll get, he'll get invitations to weddings. I'm like, oh, that's kind of neat. She's like, yeah, sometimes they ask him to bring a dish. What? It's like a potluck <laughs> wedding. It's like, hey, yeah. Darius, we'd love if you came. Wow. Could you bring a casserole? Wow. <laughs> As well. Wow. I mean, while you're, I mean, shoot your shot, you know? <laughs> Imagine Darius Rucker valet in his car pulling up with the green bean casserole. Yeah, he's looking at him on the broom side or the bright yeah. side. I don't know how to do this. Last thing I have, I mean, they didn't, I wish they would have shared more about the voice, and I'm sure they can't because they can't talk about it. But the fact that they're shooting things already is really interesting yeah. because they're not on The Voice until 2024. Yeah, the spring. Yeah, I thought that was weird too. I didn't think they had started shooting at all, but it sounds it sounded to me like they already have a winner. 
Are they doing auditions, you think? Possibly, yeah. But the voice is different from Idol, isn't it? Aren't there people that are like more plugged in? Uh, from the business, like I feel like they always find that, like, oh, well, this guy had a deal already with this man. I think they recruit yeah. a little bit heavier than I So Idol maybe does. they're filming the recruiting part. Yeah, America's Got Talent is like that too, where they recruit people to come try out for America's Got Talent. I don't know the voice. I think the voice does some of that. Okay. Or I think American Idol does some of that, but I think the voice does a lot of that. Yeah, and I bet they can't talk about it at all because they got weird real quick. <laughs> really? Yeah, just, it was just like shut just it down. They yeah. hadn't come up with their answer for it. They yeah. Quarterback yeah. that one up. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for checking out Taste of Country Nights on demand. And remember, give us a like, a subscribe, a rating, comment on the podcast if you're feeling it. Pass it along to all your friends.